Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. There will be spoilers for episodes we've already discussed, but no spoilers for episodes to come. Needing seven, and it might take yours, I'm Harrison. And totally ruining the dapper suit that I'm wearing with the creepy AF smile that I have, I'm Jason. (laughs) Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, Jason, it's the one we've been waiting for. We're watching... Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. This is the one where the gang's voices uh, are stolen by uh, Doug Jones. And uh, and it's simultaneously uh, one of the funniest episodes of the show and one of the most just blood-curdlingly terrifying episodes of the show. Hush was written and directed by the show's creator and originally aired on December 14th, 1999. Was this the mid-season finale? It was, yeah. There was right, a, about, yeah. A, about a month. I actually looked because I was like, we've got uh, to be nearing like the break. Um, the next episode aired on January like 18th, I think, something like that. We are um, almost done with the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, literally, our our next our next Angel episode will be our final '90s episode. That's a, feels like an accomplishment. Like we should we should do something special. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll think about. It. We'll see what happens. Uh, or knowing me, I'll forget entirely that I said we should do something special. <laughs> and then... All right, I'll probably bring it up. Intro music. Jason, what are you drinking this week? Well, Harrison, I'm... I did not hear any of that. (laughs) Oh, I'm stupid. (laughs) Look at that, I got my voice back. All right, Harrison... (laughs) By the way, I stand by that bit 100%. I literally, I'm so stupid. I, like, you did your bit, and I was like, god damn it, my connection's, like, cutting out. And then, like, <laughs> I I heard you put the, the beer back on the desk. And then I was like, okay, I didn't get any of that. And then you did it again, and I was like, god damn it. And then I heard the beer, like, hit the desk again, and I was like... Why why is it like why is the sound coming back in like at this exact <laughs> oh my god I'm a moron <laughs> And you told me you told me last week that you had like some sort of bit planned and I still was just like what the f- what what am I what am I missing Oh my god Oh this is going to be such a fun episode <laughs> Uh, Harrison, I'm drinking another one of my home brews uh, in my Booze and Buffy uh, beer glass. And uh, yeah, so it was really funny because I was like, 
actually mouthing words to Harrison, so he saw me talking, and I was, and I immediately thought to myself, like, oh man, I, he might actually think that there's something wrong with the, <laughs> with the connection. Yep. <laughs> Damn it, COVID, because that joke would have killed, killed if we were like, I would have gotten it if we were in person. And- <laughs> And not just been like, God damn it, this technology, motherfucker. Honestly, the fact that the like the fact that you so like I didn't hear any of that. That totally just runs with it. So I'm, <laughs> I say we keep it all in. All oh of it. goodness, um, I'm drinking a Pinot Grigio, um, and uh, I also brought the box with me, just in case all I right. I need a refill. Um, um, That's smart thinking right there. I'm a I'm a smart cookie when it comes to drinking. That's smart drinking is what I like to call it. Um, all right. Um, let's see. A toast to uh, a toast to Doug Jones, one of the most impressive, like quote unquote, monster actors out there. Um, and also just outside of his monstrous abilities, just a very good actor. Um, to yep. Doug Jones. Doug Jones, the man. Give us the Doug Jones cinematic universe. It's what the people want. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be happy for just a Hellboy 3 um, directed by Guillermo del Toro. I watched those last year, those two movies, and, you know... Mm-hmm pretty cool visually brilliant um well of course yeah i mean i i know it's just i guess um i don't hear too many people talk about the hellboy movies as much um but uh, i think a lot of people consider them a little like and I, i don't think this is a fair opinion but i think that they kind of consider those movies like lowbrow for for guillermo del toro um yeah, people Which, typically... I mean, people probably say the same thing about the Batman movies from Christopher Nolan. Yeah, there there is a certain uh, negative connotation that are, that yeah, are unfairly uh, placed on genre films. Um, and listen, I could... <laughs> we could do a whole episode on that subject, so um, I, I don't want to get me started. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think it's unfair. I've actually not seen the Hellboy movies, but um, I do. I would like to, so um, I'm gonna yeah, make sure to put that beautiful. put those on my list to uh, to give a, to give a watch to. Before we get like into the episode, I just really have to say this episode really fucks me up because um, it touches on a very specific like fear that I have. Um, and a, like, recurring, uh, it's not, like, a recurring nightmare. It's, like, a recurring nightmare theme of being, like, in danger and unable to call for help. I, like, 70% of my nightmares, if I'm having a nightmare, are me, I'm being, like, chased by something that wants to harm or kill me. And when I, like, open my mouth to scream, no sound comes out. Um, yeah, no, that's... It's, yeah. That's just a horrifying concept. And you have to think, like, you have that on top of the absolutely terrifying character design of the gentleman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
one of those alone would be horrifying, but having both of them there is mm-hmm. a tour de force of macabre. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this episode is so good. Um, this is often hailed as one of the best episodes of the entire series mm-hmm. for good reason. And I mean, and it's great because it takes a while for the actual, you know, hush part to kick in. But it, there's plenty of setup that actually leads to a lot of stuff moving forward, not mm-hmm. just with the plot of the episode, but all the character story arcs as well. Yeah. And development and stuff like that. Also, this is the uh, first of what I'd like to call the sound trilogy of Buffy episodes. I'm going to um, guess. Are... Hold on. I, I want to I guess what your other two are. Well, let me explain what I mean by the sound okay. trilogy. Okay. <laughs> um, is three episodes, not consecutive episodes, but three episodes in the series that deal with the importance of sound and music so um obviously music is a huge part of this episode um and so like extra special shout out to the composers and musicians Mm -hmm. of this episode spot on spot on um but yes harrison if you would like to guess the other two episodes in the sound trilogy so i'm gonna guess uh the body yes and uh once more with feeling you got him. It, it's it's pretty obvious, but uh, but yeah. But these, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. The, that... Yeah, these three episodes are um, are very important to the series uh, because one, they decide to like experiment with sound as part of the aesthetic of the episode, and and also with music, and it works extremely well and all three episodes are regarded as some of the best that buffy has to offer yeah um it there uh this episode as well as those other two are both are uh is one of my top 10 uh top tenors for me um and yeah the way sound is used here is, is so cool i'm i'm gonna talk about the uh music a little bit later um but um because i have some I have some interesting thoughts about about how it differs from the usual score that the show use, utilizes, but um, but yeah, and it's also co- what's really cool about this one, uh, and the other two that you mentioned, um, are outside of being quote unquote like gimmick episodes. They're like you said, super important to the plot of the series. Um, this episode has it. It's it's far more than just the one where they lose their voices. Um, there's so much going on here. It's very dense. But uh, you know what? Enough uh, waffling. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Let's do it. And we jump in with a uh, with, of course, Professor Walsh talking about what one of the most important things is in the episode: communication. Mm-hmm. However, this is all kind of uh, leading into. Uh, her asking Buffy to come and lie down on the desk so Riley can come over and it gets hot. So let's just say we know that this is a dream. But uh, this... What's cool about how they do this is... Like, yeah, as it goes on, it becomes more and more obvious 
Um, particularly when the teachers like lie on the desk so the TA can make out with you. Um, like it's like, oh yeah, dream. But they tip their hand kind of early because the lighting in the classroom is all wrong. Um, normally when we have these classrooms. Oh, nice. Scenes, I didn't even notice that. But now that I think about it, yeah, I mean, you're right. Because normally in those classroom scenes, I'm assuming it's a morning class. It, it's always felt like a morning class. The um, Yeah, I think they actually say that it's at nine. Okay. Maybe. So you've got like, it's usually pretty brightly lit. Um, and this lighting is a little darker. It feels, it feels like the sun's going down, um, which... Uh, when they what, kiss, the sun does go down. Yeah. So it's 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 cool because um, I had actually forgotten that this was a dream opening. And my first thought was like, why is the lighting wrong? Like, like <laughs> this isn't how they usually light this set. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's a nice like way to get you a little off your guard. Uh, maybe without you even realizing what it is that's got you kind of, kind of wrong. Um, this episode does a lot of that with... Um, like the use of uncanniness, um, particularly with the gentleman. Also, um, I just want to say that when uh, when Professor Walsh tells Riley and Buffy to start making out, I mean, she doesn't specifically say to start making out, but when she makes that like part of a class demonstration, <laughs> uh, it very much reminds me of the Monty Python sketch where um, like John Cleese is the uh, teacher. And like it's it's like that all boys school or something. He's like, mm. now gentlemen, if you watch, I will have sex with my wife to demonstrate the <laughs> yeah. to demonstrate how sex works. And it's like legitimately, like, that's what starts happening. And that's all I could think of when I watched this. <laughs> but then we get a nice um, then we get a nice little uh, Freddy Krueger esque. Yeah, on Elm Street S transition. Would you would you um, mind it if I gave my own little rendition? Uh, by all means. Um. So yeah. So Buffy goes into the hallway, and uh, we get a little girl who I call Little Buffy. Um. I don't know if that's the intention that it's supposed to be like a a a young a younger representation of Buffy, but it's a little blonde girl, so that's what I call her. And she's she's got her own page on the. Uh... Oh, does she really? On the Buffy wiki, yeah. Nice. She's the unidentified girl from Hush. Um, she's holding a box, and yeah, very creepily, very... Um, I mean, I think this has to be a, a deliberate homage to the, the Freddy song. But she sings, Can't even shout, can't even cry, The gentlemen are coming by, Looking in windows, Knocking on doors, they need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mom, can't say a word. You're gonna die screaming, but you won't be heard. Bravo. Thank you. I, I'm very much looking forward to the uh, metal remix. <laughs> <laughs> can't even like, shout, can't even, can't shout. even cry. <laughs> the gentlemen are coming by. Oh god, that um, <laughs> to leave it to the professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so creepy though. It's it's uh, it's a great way to start this episode. Um, but yeah, and uh, so Riley is actually behind Buffy when she's hearing this, and uh, he reaches out to her shoulder. But when she turns around, we get our very quick glimpse mm-hmm. of the gentleman and. Oh my god, these things are scary. Yeah. Um, it's the as I said, it's the uncanniness of them. It's the 
they're they're oh it's that thing of they're almost human but there's but they're wrong they've you know they're yeah they're they've got the nice suit but their faces all their faces are horrifying the the um the, the grin is too big the way they move they that kind of glidey movement is um like with their hands so Ugh. when i saw the grins it made me think of another project from the show's creator. It made me think of the Sugar Plum Fairy mm-hmm. from the uh, from Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, and uh, almost kind of wonder if he uh, kind of carried that over. Maybe he just finds uh, wide <laughs> smiles freaky, which I mean, they can be. Yeah. <laughs> listen, there's a reason the Joker has endured for what eighty years. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, just over eighty years. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they're terrifying. I also, you know, we give a lot of praise to the gentlemen, rightly so. But I also think that the monsters who get a little, um, are a little unnoticed, um, are their, like, kind of creepy henchmen. I, I really... I call them the flunkies. Uh, I like that. I like that. The flunkies. They're, they're perfectly juxtaposed with the, the gentlemen's, like, glidey, polite. They're, like... The gentlemen are so polite with one another. It's that yeah. makes it even worse. Um, and then just on the other end of the spectrum, you've got yeah, they're flunkies that are animalistic and wild, and um, it's a really and cool got the, uh, Yeah, and I mean, obviously, with the surgeon tools, you think that you kind of think, oh, you maybe get a little bit of hospital vibes from the gentlemen, mm-hmm. but. Um, it, it honestly looks like the flunkies may have ripped out of straight jackets. Yeah. So I get kind of a mental hospital mm-hmm. uh, sort of vibe. All in all, super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let's return to the world of the waking. And uh, I actually wrote a note down. Um, because Willow is just so damn sassy in this. Because <laughs> uh-huh. Buff- Buffy wakes up and Willow just says, Oh, you know those last 20 minutes of class where she laid out everything you need to know for the final? <laughs> what a hate Absolutely that. great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buffy, or excuse me, Willow is so catty in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I love B- Buffy, like, just like right back at her, though. Just being like, just tell me I didn't snore. Like, come on, man. Don't be a dick, <laughs> but, Willow. Uh, but yeah, Willow wasn't the only person who uh, noticed that Buffy was a little over-relaxed in class. <laughs> Riley uh, immediately kind of uh, like starts talking to her. Lay off everyone. She has a job that keeps her up very late. Yeah, I always, I always felt really bad for people who did fall asleep in class. Um, not a... I didn't actually really notice it that much in college because I feel like if if you um if you came to class that usually means that you're awake enough to stay awake during class mm-hmm. whereas if you're feeling tired and you just don't like, go. before class starts yeah you just don't go that's that's what college <laughs> is like um but now there were some people who uh fell asleep a lot in class in high school mm-hmm. uh at least for me um, I I just have to say this before we like continue into the scene. I do not have the time. There's a lot going on in this episode, so I can't, I don't have the time to really get into it, but what the fuck are Buffy and Willow wearing around their legs? (laughs) Those, uh, uh, no, I don't have time. Those skirts are fucking (laughs) awful. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, Willow's in particular. Anyway. 
Willow does uh, try to, you know, separate herself. You're like, oh, I'm going to go do the thing. Uh, but um, And the thing is, uh, hide in a window behind a book and spy Cover behind them. a notebook and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, but Very Riley is, uh, yeah, um, we're back to Willow living vicariously through Buffy, uh, which she, like, legit just calls herself out on yeah. <laughs> in this episode, but, uh, yeah, so Ry- she watches as Riley and uh, Buffy try to make plans, they, they uh, and uh, he says, oh, what are you doing tonight, and she's like, oh, well, I'm going, p- oh, well, I'm patrolling, he's like, patrolling she says very quickly covers with petroleum and uh it says you have crude oil tonight yeah (laughs) great Um, line um and i i i think mark blucas uh delivered it quite nicely uh gosh you know for somebody who has to lie to people quite a bit buffy is terrible at covering for herself she's a terrible liar consistently maybe she's just (laughs) maybe she's just thrown off by uh how dreamy she thinks uh riley is that's fair but uh but yeah and uh he says that he also has plans for the night he has to grade papers and uh buffy's and they're about to have this nice little tender kiss when buffy immediately thinks wait a minute what papers all we have left is the final and riley much more convincingly says (laughs) oh you know late papers and uh but we both know that uh they're both lying to each other um they're talking but they're not communicating. Oh, mm. look at that. Also, actually, though, I do think Buffy... I, the, I I do not believe for one second that Professor Maggie Walsh allows for papers to be turned in late. Even yeah, for like, like... Oh, you get a zero. <laughs> yeah. Those are easy to grade. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, because I know different teachers and professors have different policies on like late work. And sometimes if it's late, you know... You still get a grade, but you get a certain amount marked off. But Maggie Walsh seems to me like the turn your paper in or don't bother. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's honestly kind of why she's so... Um, that That's why she very much comes a, like, oh, I totally believe that she's the head of the initiative. It's like, <laughs> yep. oh, if you, don't bring to, if you don't bring your taser gun to the meeting... Don't even bother. <laughs> You're off patrol. Um, I want to tell a brief story about a time I turned in a paper late uh, in high school. We had, it was um, my freshman year, it was a history paper, and I just didn't do it. I just flat out didn't write it. Um, and then, uh, but I had a plan. And when the teacher was returning the papers graded, I was like, where's mine? And he was like, you didn't turn one in. And I was like, yes, yes, I did. And um, so he was like, well, bring it to me tomorrow um, and I'll grade it. Um, So I went home that night, typed up the whole paper, um, printed out two copies, gave one to the teacher. And when he wasn't paying attention, put the other one like um between his desk and like the filing cabinet next to his desk like poking out just a little so it looked like it oh my god (laughs) and then like a couple days later um he was like you harrison i'm so sorry i i found your paper it like fell on my desk what (laughs) you were you are a 
villain, sir. You're... Oh my god. Like, I always had a feeling that you were capable of great deceit, but this is my first kind of actual proof. I was 14. Oh my god. Oh, sorry. Your face as I was telling that story it was so funny. You were just like... Your, literally, your jaw just kept, like, getting wider and wider open. You guys, when Harrison and I did shows together, he complained about always being typecast as the bad guy. Well, guess what? If the, if the evil, if, like, the cape top hat and evil mustache fits, twirl it, baby. Oh, my gosh. Let's go to Giles' apartment and get away from this villainy. <laughs> uh, Giles gets a phone call. Like um, Giles, get, uh, Giles gets a phone call from Buffy, and he's writing out the details of the dream. Uh, and he says, None of it really sounds too familiar. Maybe it's something she heard from childhood. Um, and uh, But he says he'll look into it. And that's when he yells to Spike, who is right behind him Hey, have you ever heard of the gentleman? The gentleman, what? Uh, and, um, Weedabix, uh, is what, is what, uh, Spike is looking for, and I need to actually look up what the hell this stuff is. I think it's, like, um, a cereal, like, a, like, one of those, like, heavy fiber cereals or something. Yeah, you're, you're right, it's a, according to Wikipedia, it is a whole grain wheat breakfast cereal produced by Weedabix Limited in the United Kingdom. It comes in the form of palm-sized, uh, rounded, rectangle-shaped biscuits. Sounds like sounds, sounds like horrible. frosted mini-wheats. Without the frosted I, part. Yeah, well, they do have just plain old mini-wheats. Ugh. Yeah. I literally, as a kid, when I'd have frosted mini-wheats, I would, like, I would, like, eat the frosted side of it. Like, I would bite it in half, like, along the frosted side, so I wouldn't have to eat the gross, not-frosted side. <laughs> yeah, these... These actually kind of look like, honestly, from the picture that I'm getting, oh, these are the Weetabix Crispy Minis, but they look like, I don't know, they look like um, if you took a granola bar and just broke it up. Mm. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, That's kind of what um, I was picturing. Um, but yeah, uh, Spike is saying that, uh, oh, you don't have any more, you need to go get it at the, you need to go get it at the store, yeah. and um and Giles like, don't vampires only eat blood? And he says that he likes adding it to it for some texture. Which, which fair. Yeah, like, but I gotta agree with Giles on this. That that was like, that was the first thing that almost made me hurl in the <laughs> in this. And I wrote down the other thing that almost made me hurl. But we'll get to that later. Um, oh 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 oh! Sorry sorry sorry! I forgot. Um, I meant to say this while we were still in the classroom. Um. Did you know um, that uh, future Angel actor Andy Hallett, who's going to, for listeners who don't know, he will play a significant Angel character starting in season two, um, is an extra in the classroom scene at the beginning of this episode. I did not know that, but that's awesome. Yeah. I think he worked like, um, uh, I I think he worked on the show already, like somewhere in like the production crew or something. And... um, and they just had him in there as an extra, and then um, so kind of like um, kind of like Harrison Ford, um, mm-hmm. wasn't he like a carpenter on the set of a probably? Hmm. I think American Graffiti. 
Yeah, that because, have been... I, because I originally like would associate, oh, George Lucas, uh, Star Wars, but then I thought, um, I did recently see American Graffiti, Harrison Ford is in that, and I do believe it came out before Star Wars. Yeah, uh, it came out in 73. Yeah, Which is interesting, because he plays like a fairly significant role in that, um, American Graffiti-wise. Uh, he's the guy that, um, that wants to race the, uh, the guy in the main cast that's a racer. I don't remember any of the names. It's, it's not, it's not Ron Howard and it's not Richard Dreyfuss. So yeah, so we're still in Giles' apartment and that's when Xander and Anya walk in and they are, uh, they're having an argument as, uh, you'd expect Xander and Anya to have. And, um... Anya is worried that Xander doesn't really love her uh, because, oh, look at that. Xander can't vocalize the way that he feels. Another little nod to communication. Yep. And, uh, and <laughs> I wrote this down. Damn <laughs> Anya's top because it looks fairly it's ordinary from the front. <laughs> yeah, it looks fairly ordinary from the front. But then when she turns around, the fact that there's nothing on the back... Very yep, much my reaction to uh, Yeah, it very much reminded me of uh, Buffy's halter top from the uh, episode where <laughs> she went to the she went to the party to and almost talked with Riley. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I was taken out of the scene a little bit because it's just like, damn. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's my clothing note for the week. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, because the only thing that Xander really cares about is how many orgasms he has. <laughs> All you care about is having lots and lots of orgasms, she says loudly. Typical of- guy, am I yeah. right? <laughs> and she totally sees Giles there and doesn't care. Doesn't but, give uh, a shit. But then Spike raises his head up, and Xander's just like, um... Can we not talk about this? Uh, do we have a conversation about keeping things private and personal? And Spike's like, no, no, go on, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Giles says, no, please don't. <laughs> but uh, the reason that uh, Giles asked Xander to come is because uh, he needs him to keep Spike for a few days, which both, which all. Xander, Spike, and Anya are very adamant about not doing, but uh, Giles is having a friend come from England, and he would rather have the apartment by by himself for a while. So, the only thing funnier than Anya's line, oh, you mean an orgasm friend? Yes. Is Giles' response, which is, yes, that's exactly the most appalling thing you could have said right now. <laughs> God... I mean, I know I say this every episode that she's in, but I love Anya. Oh, she's great. So much. Um, and you know what's kind of funny is um, I, I had forgotten kind of um, this, uh, but um, minor spoilers, but as the, as the show continues, um, Anya and Giles actually form a fairly, uh, a fairly close relationship. Um, and so it's, it was kind of funny seeing how, how much he... <laughs> Uh, much like Willow, really doesn't care for Anya um, at, at this stage. Honestly, at this point, I think he 
he still doesn't really care too much about Xander, and I think <laughs> yeah. he just at this point he sees Anya as an extent as an extension of Xander. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that uh, if you're paying attention, you know that uh, Anya's anything but, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that'll only increase uh, as in magnitude as the time goes on. Uh, but yeah, Giles just says he. He just sighs as Spike, Anya, and Xander are just arguing like, no, we don't want this. And it's like, I, Spike says, I don't want to be there when they're shagging. But, uh, but now we finally get to see something that has been alluded to for a few weeks now, uh, but we haven't actually seen in person. And that is uh, Willow's Wicca group. These girls are awful. <laughs> awful. First of all, one of them, Willow, you know, they're talking about having a big sale, blah, 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 blah. Willow suggests that they, like, do spells. And um, this one girl is, like, really patronizing to her. And she's like, that's not very empowering stereotypes. Uh, and she's like, then she's like, why don't we just go uh, get our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks? And I was like, you can't. You're not supposed to use the same word twice in a sentence. Um, and then that's the biggest sin she committed. Uh, it's the second biggest because we meet uh, we meet a new character named Tara, who immediately we can see is uh, quite shy. She has a bit of a stutter, um, but she she perks up when Willow uh, mentions using real magic, and she um, when she tries to talk though. They're they're just so patronizing to her. Uh, even the girl who like, I mean, one of the girls does like ask the others to to hush so that so that Tara can speak. But <laughs> she, hush, <laughs> uh, not on purpose, but I'll I'll, I'll own it. Um, but it, it's even though she's doing it, it still comes across as patronizing and like and and she kind of like. She kind of bullies Tara into not saying anything. And also, I feel like we should uh, we should take a drink for any time there's an obvious reference to communicating and talking. Mm. And in this case, Tara is not too comfortable communicating, um, and Willow is trying to communicate to a bunch of people that won't listen. Mm-hmm. So two drinks. Here we go. <laughs> um, so I have I have kind of a random take on this. Uh, just something a thought that popped in my head as I was watching this. Um, clearly, Willow went there for uh, to kind of find a community of people who are interested in magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but this group seems like they just kind of want to have the Wicca label, uh, but not actually pers- like obviously none of them believe in that. They, I think, the closest they get to saying anything mystical is. They throw out some, or something. yeah, something about crystals, some garbage like that. And my thought was maybe this is, I'm kind of stretching it here, <laughs> but maybe this is kind of a commentary on um, commercialism of religions. Because mm. um, I, I guess we should note that Wicca is a real religion. Um, like, well, in I the believe real world. that um, from what I'm aware of. I believe that uh, paganism is the uh, is the actual kind of religion, and Wicca. A friend of mine at work uh, is talking about that Wicca is a fairly recent thing, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's often misconf- uh 
it's often uh, misconstrued as what paganism is. Now, I could be wrong about that. I haven't done any research into it, but... So it seems I just pulled up Wicca on Wikipedia. Okay. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Um, There's that's got to be a thing. That has um, got to be a thing. I mean, it's right there. Um so yeah, it is it is a um it is a pagan religion. It's a more modern pagan religion. Um so it's it it seems that like you know, like Wicca is to paganism as like uh Presbyterian is to Christianity. It's a, okay, it's yeah, a subset of, of the larger. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, pop culture. I mean, Buffy's doing it right now, but um, uh, the other thing that comes into my mind is um, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Yeah. Um, there is a pop culture um, kind of overlapping of Wicca and Wiccan with witchcraft, which yeah. I, I, I don't think is... Um, necessarily correct and you know what listeners if anyone out there like practices wicca wiccan is a wicca i I don't know what the terminology is and like knows more about it than clearly we do i'd love to to learn more about it uh so reach out um i I know my friend uh she is a uh, she is a practicing pagan uh the one who told me about this and uh and so she and when 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 I said that we were getting close to uh, recording for the episode Hush, she said she's not an actual. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but she said she would listen to this episode because uh-huh. she loves it. Uh, she loves this episode. Uh, but what I wanted to say about my uh, my thought is mm-hmm. um, how uh, I feel that many times organized religions kind of get wrapped up in the. Uh, in the non-religious aspect of it. They forget like what the, the commercialism of it. Yeah. They forget what the religion is about and are more focused on, um, Oh, we need to make enough money so that the, so that the church can stay open. Um, we need to do fundraisers and stuff. And in this case, the Wicca group is, uh, bake sales and dance recitals. By the way, I kind of want to want to, I want to know more about this Wicca group dance recital. <laughs> Just, I kind of want to know. I, that's i feel like that's a spinoff that we should that we deserve uh, <laughs> it's gonna be like bunheads but uh but for wicca no. um but yeah no i definitely and this this entire thing could be um unintentional but it really does come across as maybe a little bit of a commentary on that mm-hmm. that uh organized religions tend to get wrapped up in their commercial aspects their fundraising um and uh exposure and often kind of lose their whole message at the yeah. at the same time uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah poor, i hadn't thought willow. about that but, but yeah. poor willow she uh she really wanted to uh find a place to belong but maybe she found a a, a person uh Perhaps. but you know what Let, let's let's get a little <laughs> further into the episode but yeah, and but she Willow does uh, say that um, it's the Wicca group isn't what she wanted, and she's mm-hmm. not really going to learn anything from the from these people. Uh, so she decides to change the subject um, and say like, "Oh well, how are you and Riley doing?" <laughs> and uh, Buffy's concerned because she basically has to lie anytime yep. that she sees that she sees him, and. 
Riley is actually having... They can't communicate. They can't communicate. And this should be a double drink because Riley's having the exact same conversation with Forrest. You know, go through this beer real quick with all of these these metaphors. Um, But yeah, in the end, they both say that, you know, can't really... We can't really talk about our relationship, so this kind of leads to us, uh, to Buffy saying, oh, it just, I start babbling and it turns into a battle fest, which is the exact opposite of what the second half of this episode is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very good setup because, um, this is, now we have our last little bit of setup, um, uh, Xander has Spike in the basement and he has him tied to a chair, and uh, you know for his safety while Xander's sleeping. And and uh, Spike says, "You know what? You know what? I wouldn't even bite you anyway." And Xander's like, "Oh, I'm totally biteable," which led to the second time that I almost threw up in this episode <laughs> when Xander describes himself as moist and delicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, as the scene was happening, I was like. Ugh is this my gay agenda this week? I don't want it to be, but like, but it's not, uh, I have a better gay agenda. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to hear it, but, uh, yeah, just gross Sander. <laughs> gross. Um, but, uh, it, what is funny about this scene is when Spike starts pretending to be Anya. <laughs> <laughs> I was Sander. <laughs> um, uh, the friend that Giles has wanted to have over is it's sexy Olivia. Olivia. Yeah, um, a woman who is really not too keen on foreplay. She just wants to get right into it. <laughs> she is into it. I, I thought I wrote later on my notes. I was like, "Poor Olivia. She wanted to come to town for a nice, good Giles Dickin, and <laughs> got caught up in this mess." And I feel bad for the lady. Nice, good Giles Dickon is the name of my cream cover band. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, boy. But um, now we go to the clock tower. Um, now, is this the clock tower on, uh, on, on UC Sunnydale's campus? Or is it just a random clock tower in town? I think it must be on the campus because when we see... Um... Because isn't Tara near it later when she's going to, like, find Willow? Doesn't she pass by? Um, I don't remember her passing by the clock tower. Uh, mm. I I assumed it was part of the Sunnydale camp- UC Sunnydale campus. Um, okay. But... Because, you know, I feel that a lot of college campuses have a clock tower. Um, does. I know. Yeah, UofL does. Uh, if for anything else, it helps a poor lost freshman figure out where they are on this big old campus. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, inside the clock tower, uh, one of the gentlemen opens a box, which is the exact same box that Buffy saw in her dream. And when he does, we get a nice little montage of everybody's of we don't know at first. But we do see, like, w- this little uh, pale wisps coming out of everybody's mouth as they're mm-hmm. sleeping. And, uh, we again, we're not sure what it is, but it all goes into the box, and the box is shut. 
we then see the next morning. Uh, and this is this is really well done. Uh, because Buffy wakes up and she kind of goes about her day as usual. And you know that something's up. Mm-hmm. But uh, at this point, we don't have any music. All we have is the sound effect of Buffy brushing her teeth. Uh, which which I think is a is a nice way to put it because it's already kind of setting up the rules because it's just voices that are affected. Yeah. Um, we it's can not still sound sh- entirely. Yeah, we can still hear stuff, and that con- that is uh, that's confirmed later on when that guy drops the glass bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as Buffy walks into the uh, to the dorm room, Willow's just waking up. And uh, Buffy says good morning, or at least tries to say good morning, and uh, realizes that what she's saying is not being heard. And so Buffy uh, mouths to Willow. And I gotta say, props to Sarah Michelle Geller and Allison Hannigan, because they are so good at mouthing their words, I was able to actually understand everything they were saying. Um, so actually, fun fact... They did actually just say the lines on the set um, uh, for that exact reason, to make sure that the lip reading could, like, would work. Um, Oh, so so they actually, when they were filming, they were saying Mm -hmm. the lines. Yes. But then they edited out that audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They they removed it post-production. Which feels to me like the smartest way to do that. Like, um, Yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like if they didn't do that, then um, now I kind of want to... I feel like it has to be a special feature on the DVD to where you can actually see one of the scenes filmed that, uh, oh, like, with the actual uh, not voices. On, not on the DVD that I have. Oh, okay. Um, um, unfortunately, the Buffy DVDs don't have a lot of special features. They've got, like, some commentaries... Okay. I um, mean, sometimes some interviews, but not much else. I would really love. It makes to sense get, though because like, uh, they were kind of. I feel like when they were released on DVD, that was the early days of yes. DVDs. Um, but anyway, um, you know that makes. But it makes total sense. Uh, I'd be a little more disappointed if this wasn't a TV show. Um, but like they're doing a TV. They're doing. They're on a TV show schedule with a TV show yeah. budget. Um, I feel that the, to to pull off this with them actually not saying the lines is um, I feel like that is uh, it's a little too much of an ask mm-hmm. at this point. Um, yeah, it just yeah. makes every filming so much more complicated and and difficult. And yeah, like you said, they've got a they've got a timetable that they have to turn uh-huh. around. But uh, but anyway, well. I did understand what they were saying. Um, at first, Willow thinks that she's gone deaf. Yep. Uh, but uh, but Buffy uh, says, well, I can't hear you either. And so as they go out, they see that everybody's freaking out about this. Um, and we get this nice little, another montage of so many people not being able to talk. Um, and uh, stores have closed. Some are, some are open. Um and uh, oh, we had um, we had Xander waking up, and uh, he just immediately blames <laughs> Spike. 
saying that you did this to me. And Spike's uh, just like, shut the hell up. Spike I flips think... him the bird, uh, the the British bird. Yeah. Um, um, of the two one fingers. of my one of my favorite uh, things, though, one of my favorite bits is uh, Xander immediately thinks to call Buffy, yeah. and Buffy, as soon as the phone rings, Buffy answers, and then and then realizes oh i can't talk and xander realizes the same thing yeah and and spike just gives us this look that says really really you idiot i'll tell you what spike does not need to motion or anything he <laughs> his looks speak volumes yep. <laughs> um over at riley's uh frat house there um he and forrest uh head down below to the to the initiative and uh, interesting that it's just Riley and Forrest this week. Uh, no Graham. No Graham with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, they can't. Um, <laughs> there's this great bit here where they can't use the uh, the vocal identifier that we've seen them use before. And they nearly get poisoned by the security And, you know, <laughs> it's crazy because um, they do it in this episode, too. Um, when they're, like, while Forrest and uh riley are having the conversation about buffy uh mm-hmm. but yeah. the um it's almost something that we now see is oh it's just second nature it's a throwaway thing you never realize how important it is until this moment so yeah well done um and then they, i uh the, the before they are killed by this gas um per, the doors open presumably professor walsh has overridden the system from her end and she just she she points to something off screen that we can't see and then walks away and as they're walking by the camera bands to a sign that says in case of emergency please use the stairway and yeah i, I mean come on that. guys everybody's <laughs> lost their voices come on um uh but yeah the uh so Tara, um, and uh, this is a big thing because Tara uh, realizing that uh, there isn't, um, she decides to immediately start looking for Willow. She looks up Willow in the student directory and where she is. Um, and uh, I feel that uh, this is a nice, and it, I don't think it comes across, it's not overtly told to you in the episode, but I feel like the fact that nobody else can talk puts Tara on the same playing field as everyone mm. else because we've seen yeah. that she has trouble talking, um, but now there's nobody to override her. She doesn't have to worry about trying to speak to people. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that gives her the confidence to immediately want to do something about this. So she decides to go yeah. seek out Willow. Um yeah, that's uh I think it also helps too that um based on the the brief scene before um not only does she have that confidence but um and this level playing field but she also realizes based on Willow's comments that Willow will listen to her um mm-hmm. and won't shut her down the way uh the way others obviously uh obviously have before. Yeah. Um, we have the scene where, uh, where that, uh, guy drops a glass, everybody kind of jumps mm-hmm. at the noise, so. That's a great moment. It is. It's really good. Um, 
But yeah, so she decides to go start looking for Willow. Um, Buffy and Willow are walking through town, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, this hit a little too close to home. The uh, the store saying <laughs> right. that they're closed. Um, there was a guy sitting out in the middle of the street clutching his briefcase. I just assumed he was a telemarketer. Um, so <laughs> his job's kind of effed. Um, and uh, and then there's a... Uh, yeah, the, people just don't... People are freaking out. They don't know what to do. There is a guy who's selling dry erase boards, which gave me a huge, huge... Uh, throwback to the leftovers and the guilty remnant. Uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, uh, John it, and I have been watching the leftovers. Um, it's a rewatch for me, and it's his first watch. And I was having those same like, I was like, oh yeah. What is he thinking of it so far? Uh, he he's enjoying it. Um, as much you know, I mean, you know how uh, taciturn he can be sometimes, like. <laughs> He won't, yeah. he won't say would, he likes something, um, but I think I would love I, to I watch. It. I would love to watch that show with somebody who's never seen it before, just to see how they would react to it because it's yeah. it's so different from pretty much anything else I've ever seen on TV, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I just I it, it's it's kind of like the same the same uh, thrill i get when there's a movie that i really want to share with somebody that they've never seen mm-hmm. before i'm like oh what? but i have to be really careful not be like what do you think of this scene what do you think of this scene <laughs> yeah uh, i know i'm the it's same just like you know what let let them watch i want to hear what they have to say yeah. uh but uh you know what maybe after maybe after we're done with booze and buffy and uh maybe then we can do it a leftovers podcast uh loggers and the leftovers <laughs> yeah, uh leftover liquor nah, that's nice mm. i like that um but uh yeah back to this uh they decide to end up uh buying the uh buying some dry erase boards and they go it's to great, it's a great cut because buffy buffy rolls her eyes when she sees the 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 guy selling the dry erase boards and then it's just a direct cut to them showing up at giles's house with the dry erase boards hanging around their neck you know i gotta i gotta say though I'm just now thinking about this. Um, what was that guy doing with all of those dry erase boards? I this mean, this is the type of guy he. The second do you think he, he might realize what was happening? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, do you think he might have gone to like he might work at an office supply store and then just decided to steal it and sell them for a profit? I mean, maybe. I was just thinking that just like. Just the kind of opportunist, just already have that mindset that the second he realized what was going on, he went straight to the store, bought the entire supply, and because um, I, I think I do think there are and people. I mean, I feel like we saw this at the beginning of the pandemic of like there were those people who immediately like figured out how to turn it to their financial advantage, like, yeah. advantage. Scalpers, I, I, they're scalpers. Yeah. Yeah, there are some people whose brains just go to that sort of place. Um, but yeah, I do really love that as a group, um, without any way of communicating with one another, because of course they don't have cell phones or to text with, um, but as a group, they all went to Giles's apartment. You know, you know, I find this kind of funny. Um... I feel like this wouldn't be as big of a crisis 
in today's world because we have cell phones and everybody's constantly texting. I know that there are people mm-hmm. out there. I think most people um, our age prefer texting to calling anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that community joke. Uh, oh no, Britta still uses her phone as a phone. phone, as a phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Um, but yeah, I... It's kind of like um there there was this one uh one of my friends who's a who's a um a web cartoonist uh a web comic uh, creator he um he made a joke about how at this point in today's world uh Seinfeld episodes would last about two or three minutes because mm-hmm. everything in them can be solved by a smartphone um I kind of got those vibes with this I'm like you know. People would just be texting. It wouldn't be that big <laughs> yeah. of a deal. Um, maybe, maybe um, in jobs or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think, like with actual interaction, people yeah. would immediately just be like text. Yeah, I think there would be. I mean, obviously, it would be a it would be a big deal. But I don't think it would descend to the level of panic. Yeah, um, there, there wouldn't be like be- the the apocalyptic feel that this has. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because we but, but because um, we have new tools for communication now. Oh. Um, and <laughs> drink. Yep. Um, they go in. There's such such a sweet moment when um, they kind of they Buffy and Giles check in and they're fine. Everything's good. It, Willow just writes "Hi, Giles" on on her <laughs> whiteboard, and he gives her he smiles and gives her a hug. It's really sweet. It's also it's also funny because um, of how, uh, like Buffy just gives a look to Giles, and Giles puts his hand on her shoulder, and there's this nice kind of like, oh, I feel a little safer now, and I think they both yeah. feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. And then Willow writing. Hi, Giles. On there is uh, is another totally Willow thing to do. So um, it is, uh, but they see a news report saying that this is only in Sunnydale, and what people think it is is a total outbreak of laryngitis that they're blaming on flu vaccines, and so nobody can talk, and the town has been quarantined. Again, yeah. How how did that feel to watch? Gosh, man, (laughs) this was like what twelve years ago, twenty two years ago. Ninety nine would have been. I was told there'd be no math, man. Yeah. Um. I it's a long ass time ago. Yeah. No, no. It's like it's twenty two years ago because nineteen ninety nine. Add one, that gets you two thousand, and then twenty one. 21 plus 1, 22 years. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I um, trust you. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so... Basically, there's... Basically, there's nothing to do... Nothing for them to do at the moment. Uh, um, Buffy... Buffy's like, oh, I'm gonna go out on patrol. And at the same time that she's doing this, Professor Walsh uh, is talking with a computer... Uh, voice to text uh or in this case text to voice um similar to uh steve similar to the device that uh stephen hawking used um yeah 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 and uh 
she's basically telling them to be in civilian clothing and just go out and maintain order. Um, because I think she, she rightly points out that a military presence would... Yeah, that only just... freaks people out more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Professor Walsh knows do... what she's talking about. Yeah, Professor Walsh mm, seems good at her job. That's where I'll leave that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and she is proven, uh, she and Buffy are proven correct because we see uh, the situ- that night the situation has just escalated. People are fighting. Um, there's, in particular, there's these two guys fighting that uh, Riley breaks them up and like pushes the one guy. <laughs> And the guy picks up like a some like metal bar, and Buffy just I think he picks up like a lead pipe or something. He's ready to like something like that. Riley. Yeah, and but Buffy just walks up and just casually like grabs his arm and like twists it, and like uh, it just keeps going. Like doesn't even yeah. break her stride. Um, and we get a scene here. Get your get your glass ready, Jason. Where Buffy and Riley. Are unable to talk, but they finally communicate. With smooches. With smooches. Yeah, no babbling at this point, so they were able to get right down to brass tacks. Mm-hmm. Um, um although it does it's it's kind of the same thing that we saw with Angel though, where the 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 height discrepancy between the two actors is so great that like Mark Lucas has to like bend himself in half to be able to kiss her. Hey, you know we always we always make fun of Angel having a type. I think Buffy has a type. Um, uh huh. But uh, so um, at this point, uh, people don't know what to do. So they end up going to bed, and then that's when our boys, the gentlemen, come out. And apparently, according to the Buffy wiki, their flunkies are called the Footmen. Oh, um, okay. I did yeah, that. I'll go with that. I, I kind of like flunkies better. But um, so, so this is where we get. Um, I think this is the first time we hear like I'm going to call it the gentleman's theme because it it's it's this spooky music um, that happens when they're around. Um, it's also the music that's used on the DVD, like, menus. Oh, great. Um, but what's so interesting that I noticed as during this watch-through is in this music, we've got the kind of thing, but in certain parts, there's a woman vocalizing um, in, in the music, which we, as far as I can remember, it, that is the only time that any of the score... Uh, of the show uses any sort of vocalizations within it. Um, and if anyone can prove me wrong, then by all means, but um, I-, I cannot think of another instance in the show where the score utilizes an actual voice, which is so interesting that they chose to do that um, in this episode where no one can use their voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this... This this sequence, um, I, and I like how they have the day of nobody being able to talk, because you're kind of wondering, like, okay, well, why is this important? 
And Mm -hmm. you see that in this scene because now you have the silent gentleman floating. They do not walk, they float. Um, Uh So, yeah, as if they weren't creepy enough. The footmen don't float. They they run around, flailing their arms about. scramble. Yeah, but uh, so they are just kind of floating around. They are able to kind of go into all these different buildings. Um, it looks like they're just kind of looking for something. They eventually make their way into a UC Sunnydale dorm, and uh, they find they knock on this they knock on this guy's door. It's a freshman guy, um, and I'm not gonna lie. The first time I saw it, I at first I thought maybe it was Parker. Um, <laughs> oh, I Parker wish. Abrams, but. <laughs> The gentleman did end up getting five hearts, and we have a couple that are unaccounted for. So I don't believe we see Parker Abrams after this ep- after like any more in the series. So my head canon is I'm, that Parker Abrams was a victim of the gentleman. I'm here for it. Yeah, I, we, we we wanted bad things to happen to Parker Abrams. Maybe this is it. Maybe this this maybe this is what happens. Um, that's canon. <laughs> that's our cannon that's a booze and buffy cannon um but uh basically when this guy opens the door he sees the gentleman the footmen run in and they hold uh they hold this freshman down while the gentleman pull hold up this bag the old-timey medical bag open it up and pull out a scalpel so mm-hmm. yeah something about nightmare it being fuel. a scalpel nightmare fuel um, something about it being a scalpel is so much worse. You know, surgical horror. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I, I, it was, um, the episode where Buffy had the flu. Ironic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, hospital themed horror and surgical horror. Um, that's a, that's one of the things that really can kind of like, you know, make me shake in my boots, give me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> um, because uh, I feel that I think the things that scare me the most are the things that aren't too far removed from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why I will never, ever, ever watch one of those human centipede movies. Um, <laughs> yes, the subject matter overall is disturbing, but the fact that it is um, it is uh, like surgery horror themed in general, uh, that's a yeah that's that, that that's, that's bad news bears that is bad news bears um now i will i will sit through like um the movie i showed you eyes without a face um mm-hmm. recommendation to all of you listeners it is a uh, old uh black and white french horror film and uh one of the reasons that i find it absolutely spooky is because of the surgical horror content of it it's also just really good movie um and hey honestly if a horror movie can actually scare me it gets bonus points um but uh uh to to uh to go back on the whole human centipede movies no (laughs) just no like (laughs) it it will yeah that will get no points from me um but yeah uh you're right the scalpel makes it super scary um while the uh, while the footmen were out and about, while the footmen and the gentlemen were out and about, um, Olivia woke up, and uh, she caught a glimpse of one of the gentlemen. 
Mm-hmm. So I love how I... this is done because she's looking out the window and there's one like far away in the background. And as she's looking at it, another one floats right next to the window, right past yeah. her. And then you get the the reaction of her silent, like, silent scream. Um, yes. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, so the next morning, Giles is reading the newspaper and sees that uh, two people were uh, murdered with their hearts removed. And uh, while he's doing, while he's reading the paper, Olivia, and thank God that she can draw. Because right? she's she draws a really good picture of the gentleman. Giles is able to put two and two together and runs and pulls out a book of fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So is it the same book of fairy tales from Gingerbread? I wouldn't be able to tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, so Giles knows what's up. So then we have a scene where they are in one of the college classrooms. And uh, I just got to say, Xander, Willow, and Buffy are there with their whiteboards. Anya is there with a bag of popcorn. Popcorn. Okay, so this scene. First of all, I finished the episode, and I immediately went back and watched this scene again. Um, It is quite good. It's so good. It's so unnecessary. Like, Giles. You're being such a drama queen right now. There, there was no need for you to have everyone gather in an empty classroom, get a get an overhead projector. Obviously, you spent a lot of time like <laughs> drawing like, out the gentleman stuff. Um, it's so unnecessary. But as like it's, um, as our standard exposition scene goes that we get in like every episode, it's one of the best. He puts on music. He puts on fucking music. <laughs> and the music he chose is uh, Dance Macabre, uh, which is by is. A, um, a French composer um, from like the early 1900s named Charles Camille Sanse. I-, I think that's how you say his name. Um, and this is one of his more, more famous pieces. Um, but... It's so extra. <laughs> so, um, and uh, here's the thing. If you uh, want to hear a really awesome song, also called Dance Macabre, uh, it is by the band Ghost. Um, if you guys have never listened to the band Ghost before, it they're friggin' awesome. And a really good intro song to them is from their uh, last album that they introduced. There's a funny, uh, there's a fun music video on uh, YouTube, but yeah, this song slaps. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, but yeah, Dance Macabre by Ghost. Check it out. We'll do. Um, but yeah, I did write down that Anya eating popcorn during this A plus, <laughs> and I and I all and I almost kind of hoped that that was just an. They asked Emma Caulfield to do something, um, and so she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make popcorn." <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, it's very Anya. Um, my my favorite Anya moment outside of her popcorn is uh, during his slideshow. One of his slides ha- is like the extra extra bloody one. Yeah, and everyone they get we get a nice reaction from everyone, but Anya's is like her reaction is like, a, "Oh, cool." Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, um. basically the story is that the gentlemen are demons that go to a town and trap and take away all the voices of anyone uh, in the town. And they need to collect seven human hearts. Uh, uh, once again, like Buffy kind of knew this already because mm-hmm. of the rhyme, um, which is the third part of what uh, Giles was able to, the third b- piece of info that Giles was able to put all together to get this. Um, and uh, and because the thing, so they don't know how to kill a, well, they do know how to go. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Let me organize my thoughts here. <laughs> um, so the gentlemen want to collect seven human hearts. And uh, the only thing that can kill them is a scream from a human voice. Uh, they are immune to weapons like swords and stakes. And, or masturbating. Uh, or masturbating. Um, yeah, so... We do get a couple of really dirty jokes in this. Uh, uh-huh. First, um, first we have a uh, oh, what do the gentlemen want? Willow, Willow points, points to her chest, chest and, and Xander z- just mouths and mimes boobies. Yes, <laughs> good job, Xander. Um, and uh, then um, Buffy holds up. How do we? Ki- or no, Xander holds up. How do we kill them? Yes. And that's when Buffy is just miming what she thinks is staking, what she intends to be staking, but definitely looks like masturbation. Um, yep, and everyone, everyone gets such a great um, reaction shot of this, particularly Giles, which everyone else is mostly confused, but Giles is like confusion mixed with horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Buffy actually has to take a stake out of her purse to get her point across um but yeah the gentlemen are immune to swords and stakes so it has to be a human voice uh willow apparently suggested willow suggested that oh maybe we can play a song that has screaming in it but giles says no it has to be a human voice willow Um, is so pleased with her performance of uh the of miming how they could kill the uh, how they could kill the the gentleman she after she finishes like her little performance she like sits forward with like a big smile like she's waiting for applause <laughs> but uh so um giles ever says that everybody else is going to do research while buffy goes on patrol he has a picture of buffy going on on patrol and buffy's really mad because she thinks the she hips just... are too wide. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and at this point, we also see that the initiative is suiting up and uh, basically kind of throwing the whole caution to, aside mm-hmm. um, in favor of we need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I just need to say, as we leave the college classroom, that whole scene is, what, three to four minutes long? And... Giles definitely spent at least an hour preparing for, <laughs> for this. Um, I think the absolute best uh, illustration is the is the extra bloody uh, gentleman one, and because yeah. what gets me is when they're holding up the heart, and uh, and there's blood everywhere, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. 
Yeah. Well, um, and it's because he's got he's got two bloody ones. He's got the 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 one with just a little blood, and then the this then he made sure to make one with a lot of blood. Um, yeah. If if you can, can you um find like one of those? Find an image of one of those and use that for the promo image for our episode. I absolutely will. I was gonna just use a, a generic image of the gentleman, but you're right. This is It's gotta be that. That's better. That's far better. Yeah, I'll try to, um, I'll try to do that. So Tara's been looking for Willow. Um, unfortunately, as she's trying to get to Willow's dorm, the gentlemen uh see her and they're like, Ooh, bet she has a heart. And <laughs> uh and they start chasing after her. Um and uh she tries to knock on a girl she tries to knock on some doors but nobody's answering them i mean in all fairness it is the middle of the night but uh and there's someone out there cutting out hearts like yeah i don't i i I felt bad for tara but like i also i i don't i i can't blame that girl for not not wanting to open her door yeah um, then we have a, a really, really good fake out because mm-hmm. you see, you see Tara banging on a door. You see, you see Willow, um, waking up and hearing like banging on a door. And, uh, so you think you connect that, oh, she's obviously banging on Willow's door. Uh, but, um, uh, when Willow opens up the door, um, that that's not the case because uh, the door opens up, but Tara sees a gentleman holding a heart, and uh, you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and um, it it, it it's funny because if you're paying attention, you'll realize that's what's happening because the door has the wrong room number on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was two nineteen, and Buffy and Willow's is two like two eleven, I think maybe, or it's because it's basically it's the on the opposite end of the hall, which is yeah. why Willow hears it, but um, and goes out to like investigate. But yeah, but yeah, it's such a good fake out. Yeah, and uh, Tara does run into as she's running from the gentleman. She runs into Willow, and so they both start running together. Um, Riley gets into a fight with several footmen, and uh, because he sees the clock tower, he sees the. Um, shadows in the clock tower so his suspicions kind of lead him to going into there and um while he is fighting with all these gentlemen or excuse me while he's fighting with the footmen buffy smashes right through the uh, window because previously um some of the footmen had attacked her and she was able to uh, hold her own uh like she does because she's our girl <laughs> and uh she followed one of the footmen back to the clock tower. I just love that she doesn't go through the door. She smashes through the window. Yep. Um, um, which is a oh, pretty yeah. iconic image that will show up, I think, starting next season um, in the in the opening credits. Also, uh, there's the image later in this scene of her uh, swinging from a rope, uh, mm-hmm. which also shows up in the opening credits. A lot of yep. action shots here. Um, and uh, next season, Giles's um, uh, Giles's like bits in the credits will include a shot of him uh, in the projector scene where he's like holding up his finger, looking yeah. stern. Um, <laughs> I watched this show so many times 
that like when those moments happen, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be in the credits. That's in the credits. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, Buffy and Riley see each other there. Um, it's cool because, uh, of course, Buffy has her crossbow. Uh, <laughs> Let's just move past it. And uh, but yeah, they they see each other when they both pull their weapons on each other. They're like, what? Uh, but yep. they can't and they can't talk about it because they got a commercial they gotta keep break. Fi- yeah, they got to keep fighting up with these uh, footmen. Meanwhile, we have a really hilarious scene where um, uh, Giles. Um, Giles, Onion, Spike are in Giles' apartment. And, um, you know, Spike has been very kind of calm and collected about all this. All he wants to do is drink his blood, which he gets out of the fridge. And, you know, I guess he does it in there so that he puts it in there because it, it won't spoil. Um, I honestly don't but know. I feel like it would coagulate. Yeah. I honestly don't know, like, why he has it in the fridge. Because, I mean, they, they say that they like it warm, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, he gets maybe his... that's his dessert blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, he takes a he takes a sip of it and uh, vamps out. <laughs> Just like he's being all casual. Um, he walks over to the couch, but notices something on the floor, so he goes to pick it up, and um, and uh, Anya uh, is kind of like uh, leaned over reading stuff. Xander walks she's in. A, she's asleep, isn't she? It looks like oh, maybe she I is. I think she'd like. I think she has like a book, but like she'd fallen asleep. Okay. Like reading um, it, maybe. Yeah. So Xander walks in and he sees Anya's head on a couch, like uh, slumped over, and then, and then uh, Spike is getting up and, with his vamped out face and blood on his uh, mouth. So Xander immediately assumes the worst, jumps in, starts beating the crap out of Spike. Um, Anya. <laughs> On and um oh Olivia's there too. Pardon Olivia's me. Um, um yeah. Xander communicating what he was unable to say earlier in the episode. Yes, uh the uh, you just want me to drink more. <laughs> I mean um, I am Anya... being a little snarky about it, but also at the same time, like it is that's yeah, just what's no, happening. no, you're right. Anya stops uh <laughs> Anya stops him from beating up Spike. And at this point, they both uh, look at each other and kiss. Uh, because, um, yeah, no, it, uh, it's great. Um, I love that, like, even, like, you've got Olivia, who's, like, in the background standing next to Giles. And she's got this look of, like, oh, that's sweet. But even Giles is kind of, like, touched by this moment. Yeah, um, and then, of course, Anya until. takes something romantic and turns it into something sexual. Um, which makes her perfect for Xander. She then holds up the classic uh, um, finger going into the hole sign for sex. And everybody's just like, ew. <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, in spite of the fact that there's still a crisis going on, Xander and Anya go off to bone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the last we see of them in the episode. Yep. Just like... And hey, you know, good for them. And um, everyone else, the, the three left behind, Olivia, Giles, and Spike, are all just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they got funny. a weird relationship. Uh, Willow and Tara have run into a, la- a laundry room. They have the door locked, but it's not going to hold for long. And um, mm-hmm. Willow has hurt her leg. Um, so she's got her back against a, a laundry machine, washing machine. 
and um, they see a vending machine, and Willow puts her hands up, tries to move it. It only moves a little bit, and that's when you have a really great scene where Tara looks at Willow, and they put their hands together, holding their hands, clasping them together, and they're able to combine powers and just fling that so vending cool. machine against the door. What the, a great scene. The editing is so perfect because we get them like holding hands and then like the focus on like they're looking at each other and then they both just turn their heads in unison and then we get the cut to the vending machine just flying across the room yes. full force. Um, and I'm so glad that this moment happened like here where we've got a higher budget because I know if this was like a season one moment where they didn't have as much money, that vending machine would have moved like at a glacial pace. Um, yeah. But here is um, my gay agenda for this week. Two ladies, <laughs> I had a feeling. two hot ladies just intertwining their fingers and uh, combining their magics. And then, and then they linger there a bit afterwards and their eyes meet and they... Then they kind of realize that they're holding hands. And anyway, moving on. I gotta say, um, this was such a fantastic intro for Tara. Yes. Because, you know, before the scene, she hadn't really had a chance to say anything. She was able to maybe get out one or two words before that bitch cut her off um, mm. earlier on. Sorry, she got her heart cut out. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't call women bitches. But... Uh, you know she's a fictional character, so she and she kind of deserves it. <laughs> Sorry, I just immediately thought of. Uh, have you seen the movie Election with uh, Reese Witherspoon and my Matthew Broderick? Uh, yes, I actually watched it for the first time uh, a couple months ago. Do you remember that scene where um, she's she's writing a note, um, like the sister of the guy who's running against um, against Buffy? Or, wow! Yeah, against Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. I just I couldn't take myself out of this episode. How she's like writing out that note about how she doesn't really want uh, the position, but she hopes her brother wins because she doesn't want. God, what I can't remember the exact wording, but she throws out the c word, and <laughs> and it's out of nowhere. And I just remember, yeah. I just remember thinking that was the funniest shit ever. Um, yeah, yeah. I do my best not to say that word because um, it's an absolutely horrible word, especially in America. It's used a little more liberally in the United Kingdom. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching, uh, if you're watching shows of like the thick of it or something like that, then uh, you'll hear <laughs> that word hear quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, like you said, great intro to Tara. Um, I like... Honestly, you could have even had the scene at the end of the episode. You you wouldn't have even had to have had that. Um, it's good that they put it in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you could have had just these scenes with Tara, and um, it would have been fantastic. I think that endings... I, I agree with you, but I do think that ends, that final scene between Willow and Tara, and we'll discuss it in more detail in a moment... But I do think it's there to indicate to the audience that, like, this is not a one-off character. Like, mm -hmm. this is... She's, she's not just some girl Willow meets and help, they, you know, to they help each other escape the gentleman. Like, this is, like, a new character 
that you're that matters yeah but then we finally go back to buffy and riley and uh riley it, riley's able to use his um stun gun to uh take out quite a few of the footmen um unfortunately it it uh, i think it runs out of juice and, yeah uh, there's a there's a sound effect in here that i didn't love that was like uh it was like a weird like it was obviously that, like to indicate that this stun gun was like powering down, but it felt a little. It it, it kind of sounded like a bad video game sound effect. <laughs> uh, Didn't love that. Honestly, when you think about it, a lot of those initiative weapons, come across as bad video game weapons. Uh, True, but sorry, um, I'm pouring myself some more wine. I see it. Um, <laughs> don't don't apologize for getting more liquor. Uh, but um, but yeah, Buffy is uh. Buffy gets stabbed in the back with a scalpel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, like, pins her to a, uh, to, like, this, um, wench for the, uh, for the bell in the bell tower. And, um, but while she's pinned, she sees, uh, she sees the box from her dreams amongst the, uh, jars of hearts. Uh, little Christina <laughs> Perry thing right there. Have you, uh, have you seen that meme before that is the, um, it's Christina Perry. I, I, I you probably have because I think I've shared it with you. But it's like probably. Christina Perry and it's like, who do you think you are? Runner around leaving hearts. scars, collecting your <laughs> jar of hearts. And then it's just the next panel. Apart. The next panel's just the gentleman. <laughs> what is it with us in like the last couple of episodes of Buffy just making us want to sing? <laughs> uh, Buffy makes me happy, and when I'm happy, I want to sing. Get those endorphins going. Uh, Buffy can't reach the box. Happy people just don't kill their husbands. They just don't. <laughs> Sorry, this is not a Reese Witherspoon podcast. <laughs> Even though we've referenced stuff in, involving her twice. Um, Let's get Buffy, a cruel intentions at reference. Then we'll really be, be in well, it. Well, we got Sarah Michelle Geller in here. Yeah. Um, Buffy uh, Buffy sees it and motions to Riley to smash it. And God Riley runs it, over. Riley. <laughs> Riley runs over, has a big smile on his face, and smashes <laughs> one of the glass vials. Yeah. And, and then he looks at her like... Did I do a good job? Yeah, he's so proud of himself. <laughs> and and she just she's like she rolls her eyes and is just like no Come you on, moron. man. And she indicates that he needs to she does like the lid opening motion to indicate the box. So Riley smashes it, the voices return and Buffy lets out a big old scream. And uh which we don't see Buffy scream that often because mm-hmm. she's typically in charge of the situation. But, uh, yeah, this causes the gentlemen's heads to just blow up. <laughs> it's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the gentlemen have finally been taken care of. Um, Tara and Willow are talking about, uh, are talking about what happened. And Tara's like, you know, you're different from everyone else in the Wicca group. You actually want to pursue magic. And, um... And uh, Tara reveals that her uh, she'd been practicing for a long time because her mom used to mm. dabble in magic. And uh, Tara says, "I can kind of I could sense that she was powerful, just like I sense how powerful you are." Um, and Willow is very reluctant to accept the idea that she might be um, might be powerful. She says, "Like I'm nothing special." 
And Tara said, one of my favorite lines in the episode, um, not that I have a lot to choose from, but <laughs> she um, she just says, no, you are. Um, and uh, sweet. And then we get uh, this scene with Olivia and Giles. And uh, yeah, um, apparently Giles had been telling Olivia about the stuff that he has to deal with. And I don't think she believed a lot of it. Uh, he also told her that um, he was one of the founding members of Pink Floyd, uh, which I mean, if she were a fan of, if she were a fan of Pink Floyd, she probably should have known that that was horseshit. Uh, oh, I think she did. She, I knew. I mean, obviously, she didn't believe the monster stuff, so I think she was just like, whatever. That D is too good. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so she's not really sure. She wants to keep seeing giles because it's really freaky and honestly yeah. she did catch she did catch sunnydale in one of its scariest weeks <laughs> <laughs> but then we have the uh then we have the much-awaited talk with uh buff between buffy and riley about what happened except uh you know they don't really know what to say mm-hmm. which i love that one last one last uh one nod last to to uh the importance of communication and the fact that they're at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. It's a really great way to end the episode. You know, they mm-hmm. finally, they, they know the truth about each other, or at least they know some of the truth about each other. Um, and they have the ability to talk again and they know they need to talk, but they just don't know what to say. And the episode just ends with them sitting opposite one another, staring at each other, in silence yep and that ladies and gentlemen is hush um fantastic yeah uh, yeah yeah um i mean I, my I give... only complaint is that i didn't like one sound effect that was <laughs> used in the episode like i give season four such a hard time and quite frankly it deserves it Mm-hmm. But um, the this episode and something blue from uh, two weeks ago, our podcast, one week ago, Buffy time, um, just fantastic. Uh, yeah. I wish the rest of the season had this sort of quality, but it's all right. Um, at least we got this nice little shining bit of greatness. Um, yeah. But yeah, this this episode deserves all the acclaim that it gets and... I think is a fairly easy, um, I'm going to say, five out of five uh, bloody pictures that Giles spent way too much time on. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I agree. It's, it's a fantastic episode. It actually um, is the only episode of the series, I believe, that was nominated for a writing Emmy. Um, oh. It was uh, Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series. Right. Um, I I don't think it was ever nominated for for right for writing otherwise. Interesting. Um, but yeah, um, this one is um, I'm gonna give this episode five out of seven jars of hearts, <laughs> which is a perfect score in this rating system. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I I like. I, I almost like I don't have anything else to say because I feel like it's just going to be variations on this is a perfect episode. Like mm-hmm. it does everything right. Um, 
it's fucking scary when it's scary and it's fucking hilarious when it's hilarious and it juggles those tones really well um you know it's it's hard to make that work um and it utilizes the entire cast i mean you obviously have the riley buffy uh dynamic uh taking a huge step forward with that but i mean you also have um taryn willow you have um and you have uh you even have the realization between uh anya and xander about oh hey they really care about each other well we always knew that anya cared about xander uh but now Mm -hmm. xander is it's very easy for him to show his affection apart from you know sex yeah um yeah Um, lots of lots of good steps moving forward and um yeah like like you said i don't really have anything else to say great episode um well with that thank you for joining us on booze and buffy we'll be back next week with angel season one episode 10 parting gifts Mm -hmm. i'm very excited um for this episode i feel like um you know, we've had a, a string of really strong episodes um, the last four weeks. We've had I Will Remember You, um, Something Blue, Hero, and now Hush. And um, and I feel like after such a strong run of episodes, and especially following Hush, Parting Gifts sometimes gets l- overlooked. But I think it's a really uh, a really good episode, and I'm excited to, uh, to talk about it because it is taking us uh, into kind of the next stage of Angel in our post-Doyle, uh, post-Doyle Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, well, we'll talk about that next week when we yep. talk about parting gifts. But I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I also write a blog where I discuss a different horror film each week. It's called horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com. This week I am... Um, I am discussing the 1950s Vincent Price vehicle, The Tingler. Interesting. Uh, it was. <laughs> it's. It was. <laughs> I, I actually haven't written my review on that one yet because I'm still kind of. I'm still kind of processing it because I. I don't know how I felt. And uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And if you're interested, you can check out my YouTube series, I'll Take the Burrito, in which I invite one of my friends over to my kitchen, and I ask what their favorite meal is, and we try to make a burrito form of it while talking about some of our favorite things and drinking some good liquor. Whoa. Didn't know that was a thing. It's not. I lied. (laughs) Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) I had an idea for a YouTube show a while back, and uh, I'm not on Twitter anymore, so it feels kind of weird just saying, follow me, like, uh, check me out on Instagram. So just like, yeah, I'll throw that in there, see what happens. You know, though, I don't hate that. Like, I think it's a good idea. Sounds kind of cool. I shared it with people (laughs) at work, and they said it was stupid. (laughs) Well, they're stupid. (laughs) You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting PolicyLink. PolicyLink is a national research and action institute advancing economic and social equity. PolicyLink's work is guided by the belief 
that those closest to the nation's challenges are central to the search for solutions. Visit www.policylink.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye. Bye.